You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up? Fran, what is going on, my brother, man? Ain't not much, man. Uh, just been chilling. Nice. That's it. That's it. Well, yeah. Um, I wanted to follow up with people okay. from last week. Uh, we were addressing how we were going to Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, damn. Uh, Charles, this is the first episode e. since then? First episode since then. Oh, shit. Uh, since the Charles E. Cheese, uh, Charles ban- e. Cheese. Bonanza. Yeah. Had a ball, man. Yeah. I was gonna. I was initially, I was disappointed when you informed me that they took out all the fun stuff, the yeah. uh, the feet smelly slides yeah. and the band. Yep. But, you know, it was still a vibe, though. Yeah. It was still a vibe. Chuck E. Cheese came out for a little bit, you know, got yeah. the kids riled up. Your son did not enjoy that at no. all. And it was <laughs> I was shocked. Fan. He doesn't, like, he doesn't like rats. <laughs> He's a real one. He's a, this guy's a real one. He early on. Um, everybody else had a good time. Yeah. Uh, Max had a good time, but he did not like when oh, it was man. like send him send that thing back in the back. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck, we've had enough of Chuck. Let's get back to dancing and playing games. But no, it was real fun. Man. It was it was it was yeah, it was cool to see you in dad mode. Yeah. Um. It was it was very heartwarming and trippy, man. Because I've known you since we were twelve years old. Man. Yeah. And now you have a kid that's. It's still far from 12, but yeah. like walks around and is like, can I have another slice of pizza, please? And thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like trippy. It's trippy to see uh, like a, a person that looks like you. That's a kid because I knew you when you were a kid. Everybody keeps saying I don't see. I see it, the resemblance, but I don't see it as much as people say that Sophie, like she's a spitting imagery. I go, I see it a little bit. You yeah, know, you guys look very similar. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, no, Chuck E. Cheese was super fun. man. I really enjoyed yep. that. But um, so speaking of a parent parenting situations mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, I wanted to touch on and, and get and, and just kind of get your thoughts on and just kind of speak, have the conversation about this whole Ethan Crumley situation yeah. out in Michigan. So mm-hmm. Ethan Crumley is this young man. First of all, rest in peace to all the you know kids. There yes. was like four deaths in that. I read yes. something about a kid on a football team who lost his life trying to tackle this kid. Oh shit! And for real? Take him down. He was a kid on the football team, an absolute brave soul, a leader. Tried to defuse the situation, didn't go the way that it was, you know, that it should have. And none of this should happen anyway. But like, you know, he tried to save some people and he lost his life. Mm, Ethan wow. Crumley, uh, leading up to this incident, the day before Ethan Crumley went to that school and shot up the place, uh, a teacher caught him looking up ammunition on the school computers. Oh, it was the school. I thought it was his phone. Or, well, in the, in the school. Yeah. Well, maybe it was Whatever on the phone. Was. Maybe yeah, it was on his yeah. phone, but it was in the school. A teacher saw it. Yeah. Called an Im- immediate teacher conference whatever mm-hmm. and all the teachers it called the parents and said hey listen you guys need to send him to a therapist immediately yep the mom texts the son lol i'm not mad you just need to make sure you don't get caught yep the next day ethan crumley goes to the school with a gun that his parents got for him and shoots the place up consequently after that after he's arrested there's rumors start to fly about once the once the report that the text messages to him were jokey and they were upset that the the this liberal school even had the audacity to be talking about our son about guns and stuff he can have gun that was kind of the 
the sentiment of the parents. Mm. And once that got out to the world, there started to be a conversation about whether or not these parents should be charged. Yes. As soon as that conversation started being had, the parents disappeared. Yep. Lawyer couldn't get in contact with them. They just they just disappeared. Uh, there was a ten thousand dollar reward issued by the U.S. Marshals. They were subsequently apprehended at a warehouse in the basement. They parked their car in the front next to like in a parking spot. So there's also this discussion being had around about who helped them, mm-hmm. who told them because they didn't. They they're saying they didn't break into this building. Somebody, they either had a key or somebody let them in. So the idea that as soon as this craziness happens, they have somebody that they can call. They have a network. And that's what's scary about when you talk about these fringe people and these uh, QAnon and all this type of shit is, you know, it just seems like a crazy person, right? But they can get on the phone and call another person who thinks like they think and can put them in a situation that can benefit them. Stow them away, hide them. It's very, it's a very dissimilar situation. But in the Brian Laundry case, like you know, he kills Gabby Petito, and then everybody just kind of rallies around him and gets, you know, gets him away or gets him a car to where he can disappear and go do what he did. Mm-hmm. But the idea that these parents got word down the pipeline from somewhere, or were seeing on Twitter or Fox News that hey, uh, I think they might end up charging you guys, and they were able to like just disappear. For even a brief moment. And it's just crazy, man. So I wanted to get your thoughts on like the whole situation. Like, you know, as a parent, you know, you, you're sending your kids to public school or private school, whatever you choose to do as they get older. Like a parent gets that text message. What The response is what? To you search am- ammunition on. Like, Searching ammunition. The teachers are scared. They're telling you yeah. your kid. We're concerned. You have a conversation with them, like to see what's going like if there's a mental issue. I feel like you should. It's hard to like say that you know as a parent you should already know if your child is going through something. Sure. But as a te- but as a teenager, you know, when I was a teenager, I was in my room ninety percent of the time. For sure. So if I had a mental issue, my dad probably he would have never never known because right. I've been dealing with it on my own. Or right. But um, I'm just as a parent, I'm having that talk with them to see what's going on or what's the you know the root cause of them searching up ammunition or whatever. And it's like for that situation. They must already had to talk about him getting a gun or like guns are in the well, house. Well, I'm sure there's like a gun family. A gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's like, but like, why get him a gun or, you know, you get him a gun is like, you don't, you need to think about, we'll talk about the responsibilities of having a weapon that could kill somebody. Yes. Right. So it's like, you do that and you need to, I'm guessing they're not having that talk. They're going, oh, he's not going to do nothing crazy. He's, yeah. It's whatever. We have guns all over the house. Yeah, that's but, what we do. But you, I mean, as a parent, you just don't, that's hard because you just don't know what a teenager is going through yeah, because they become so isolated and do stuff on their own and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's tough. Man. And a kid spends what? Six, eight hours in school. Right. Come home, get on the game. Yeah. You don't know what they, you, you're not, you, all they're going to tell you when they come home from school is school is fine. School is fine. But you don't know what, if they're bullied. Bullying. Exactly. You don't know what's going on in school as yeah. far as friends or whatever. You just. But the other disturbing part is a few days before the search for the ammunition is that another teacher, I would assume, or the the same teacher, yeah, possibly, he had these disturbing drawings with like bullets with names written, words written on them, and I can't keep doing things that were very like dark statements yeah. with bullets writ- drawn on paper. Crazy, and they informed the parents of that too, and nothing, and just nothing. You know, what I mean, like I, I think that they just thought. Yeah, we we like guns, so of course we're, that's doodles. It's just yeah. doodles, right? I, if the if the parents try to disappear, it's 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 something way more than 
to the story, I believe. Well, that's the part that I'm, I don't, I don't know if, I think that it's like, um, cause I don't think, um, something deep as in like, uh, they told him to go shoot the school, right? You know no, what no, I mean? no, I'm not saying But that. like, I think that they, what do you, in a situation, your kid commits this heinous act. I think that you're dealing with the grief of that, whatever. The last thing you're expecting, which I don't think is, should be the case. Cause I feel like parents hold some responsibility. I'm actually glad to see this happening. And I felt like that for a lot of these school shootings is like the last thing you're expecting is questions to come your way. Yeah. Cause your thoughts are like, I can't believe my son right. did this, but the questions should be like, how did this kid have access to weapons? How did he? How was he able to leave the house with a gun and nobody knows? Yeah. I mean, did you? Why drop are you him? buying him a gun? Why are you buying him a gun? Is a is a very big question, right? And you know, Kyle Rittenhouse comes to mind, and uh, 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 Dylan Roof comes to mind, and uh, the young man Nicholas Cruz, whoever shot up uh, down in uh, in Florida, the the uh, those kids down in Florida. So many, it's hard to name. But th- these stories come to mind because you can't just go, "Hey, man, this fifteen year old kid was just crazy." over and over and over again and the onus isn't on anybody and how he got a gun doesn't matter he just got he got a gun he stole his gun from his dad's safe why was the safe unlocked why do you have a code to the safe i'm i feel like we need to be done just glazing over these questions and really asking these questions and this is the first time that i know of at least on a national scale i'm I'm sure parents have been held responsible for these type type of things before but this is the first time on such a big scale that we're actually having a conversation about what is the culpability of a parent yeah when their kid shoots up a school and I don't think they were expecting this conversation to be had. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they were expecting to be uh, arrested, detained, anything. So the first thing they did was panic and flee. Yeah. You know, um, I definitely think that there is some culpability, some culpability on their part, whether it's involuntary manslaughter, which are the charges that were brought against them or child neglect or something. I don't know if they should go to jail for the rest of their lives. I don't think that's the case. But at, at the very least, it's child endangerment, child neglect something to do with the child because clearly you're doing you did something that put your child in a position to have access to firearms that he used on kids yeah you know so i don't know what the proper punishment is but i'm glad that they're we're at least having the discussion they're at least bringing this is a precedent man like this is a precedent yeah and i think that if this happens more maybe kids are getting access to guns less maybe they're getting better uh training about weapons maybe they're along with okay you want to have guns cool but we're also going to take you to a therapist so that we know where you're where you're at mentally and if your therapist ever says hey man he's having some dark times then we're locking your guns up you don't get to have your guns well, you don't get a gun until you able to buy one if you're of age or that but it's just this it's, it's just the country it's the culture of this country bro this is a gun wow. nation we love guns here it's just it's just the nature and you get to a place like Michigan, you get these these rust belt states, these middle America states, they hunt, they it's a bunch of flat land, it's boring as fuck. Yeah. The malls don't even have fucking uh popping stores, bro. Your store has a fucking uh crate and barrel. That's <laughs> the most popping thing in your mall. That's it. You know what I mean? Like come on, bro, on a Saturday night you're going to Walmart? No, we're going to go get some ammunition and go out in the woods huh. and get drunk and shoot things. Mm. Hunt, shoot a box, whatever. That's what it's fun to do in Virginia, West Virginia, down the Appalachian Trail. This is what these people do. There's no money. People are low, middle class, hopefully. And what you can afford is guns or what you can inherit, guns. So that's what we like to do. We like to shoot guns. Mm. So I don't know if we can tell people, hey, man, don't buy your kid a gun until they're 18. Because if you go on the YouTube right now, the YouTube. God, what am I, 80? <laughs> it's old shit. <laughs> God. 
sometimes you have those moments where you're like, <laughs> the YouTube. what is happening to me? You go on the YouTube right now and they have all these videos, which they tear up. They make me, they, they like make me sad, but I understand it's a rite of passage, I guess. Like um, there's this thing called buck fever mm-hmm. where, the, you know, these kids will kill their first buck and they physically shake. And the parents are like happy in these videos. The kids are having like a visceral reaction to murdering something. Mm. And the and the parents are like, oh, that's that buck fever. <laughs> they got that buck fever, man. That's what I'm talking about. It's like, I think that that kid's body is just reacting ne- negatively to having just killed something. Yeah. And they like get that out of these kids early in some places. That 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 it's okay to watch the life leave something. Yeah. So then going to a school and shooting somebody that you don't like is like, yeah, no, fuck that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not flinching. I'm not freezing. Cause I've seen things die before mm. and hunting is a useful skill. I'm not knocking hunting. I'm yeah. just saying taking a five year old out in the woods and having them slaughter something. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that, especially positively reacting to them having a visceral reaction to yeah. death. So it's just, I don't know. I don't think we can ever curb that culture. But we can start to, you know, implement punishments on people for doing things the wrong way. And then maybe that will stop. Maybe they check your bag. Let me check your bag before you leave to go to school. Yeah. Something. Because it's crazy, man. Well, like, if you buy them a gun, lock it up. They shouldn't be able to have access to You can only to use it. it with me. Exactly. You know? So, something. And again, I don't know, I don't know if we can curb this culture. Yeah. But uh, it's just as crazy, man. It's every day. It's every week. It's a, it's a new school shooting, a new a mass shooting. You know, it's, it's every week is happening. And it's like, I don't see an end in sight, man. Yeah. It's just crazy. I used to see it. I used to just, I got tired of seeing it on Twitter because that's where you see it. I feel like you see it on Twitter first. Because it's breaking news. And that's why I stopped getting on Twitter. I, like, I can't, I can't handle it. But you know what's sadder than that for me is I'm desensitized at this point. I put my condolences up whenever they happen. Prayers, sad, but I'm not like turn the TV off. I'm, I'm not, I'm not at that point. Anymore. I've gone past that. It's no longer like a, I can't even see this man. Kids yeah. running out of the school. There's a video of the kids in the classroom. And I don't know whether or not, I think it was actually a police officer at the door, but he's knocking on the door and the kids are like, we're not opening the door right now. We don't really feel safe. Right. And then the, the, the cop is like, and again, I'm pretty sure it was a cop, but I don't know. The cop goes, just open the door, man. You can, you can see my badge, bro. And the kids are like, he said, bro, no, no, not like that's not a police officer. And they all ran and jumped out of a window. Yeah. And you want to talk to these kids. You want to go on the news and go on these uh, Facebook chats and talk about how masks are traumatizing kids. Come on, man. That's traumatizing kids. Yeah. Running through your hallways from somebody that you think is trying to kill you. And then you stumble upon a, an, a police officer with an assault rifle. Yeah. That's traumatizing. Your classmate died. The star of the football team won't be at the game on Friday. That's crazy. That's traumatizing. Like, come on, man. What are we? Ta- what are these discussions that we're having, man? A mask? Come on, bro. We got a lot of big, bigger problems in this country than putting a piece of cloth over your over your face. Yeah. Because Omari, the Omarion variant is coming. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 bigger shit going on in this country, bro. And it's just something to think about. Anyway, more crazy shit going on in this country, frame. Juicy Smollett. Mm. Uh, Juicy Smollett is back in the news again. Uh, this fucking Herb Burger, this clown of a person. Um, this case, I mean, what? where are we? Th- three years of the shit? Two years of the shit? I know we got to like, we don't I mean, we don't have to talk about it. I know we got to like, I know we should, it would be best for us to go over it. But I don't care, man. This dude's <laughs> a piece of shit. And I feel like this was like five years ago. Yeah. And his name probably got, and I go, 
this is still going on. It's like because he he's <laughs> because he's doing something that I kind of respect, even though there's no respect in any of the, any of this. He's dying with the lie. He got to. He refuses he so to deep. say. He is so deep. I lied and paid two dudes to beat me up and and. In the wave of all this racial injustice, I wanted to ride the coattails of it and have my moment. And so I paid two African dudes to fake beat me up and made up a story. It's so embarrassing and wrong and evil, and he knows that, that he's ashamed to admit it. And so he will die with the lie. He's knee deep, man. Yeah, he he's, has too, to. he's too deep. He has to. But the, big, the reason I wanted to bring it up to kind of put a bow on it and call it a day is the two dudes who we saw years ago, who they paid, he paid them by check to do this. Those two dudes were in court this week and said, yeah, he did do that. So that's the nail right there. That's it. Like, there is no racist white people. That was already debunked. But now officially, there's two dudes coming forward saying, yeah, he paid us to do that. Officially, on record, in a court of law. And, you know, and the the court theatrics have gotten crazy. Uh, His lawyer tried to have the case dismissed because she said the judge lunged at her. So they're just trying anything. I don't like it because I didn't like how it made all of us as black people look. It made like the whole thing look like a lie. It it was such a, he did such damage to a real movement that was happening yep. where people were listening and, and trying to understand the plight of like, you know, police brutality of over the last of generations of problems. And then here comes this person um, who just lied. Yeah. Who just lied to like, to be a part of it. Which is gross. Like, gross. you wanted to be oppressed, so you made it up. Like, there's plenty of real oppression going on out here, man. How about you just go support a cause instead of being like, no, it's about me. I'm the gay Tupac. That's what he said on the stage. When all this stuff was happening, he was getting all the support. He was really like, I got away with this, and now I'm going to own it. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go on a, he went on a press tour, crying on shows about how, how awful this experience was. And I mean, when you go back and look at that footage... Now, or this has been years, but you go back and look at that footage once it was like official that it was bullshit. And I don't know how you can't go. This is one of the most disgusting people I've ever seen. Like he's on TV crying and lying about being attacked by somebody. I mean, that's crazy. So this will be the last time I talk about it. But I just (laughs) I just was like once those two dudes were in court on trial, took it to stand and were like, yeah, no, he paid us to do that officially. You know, then it's done. But he will he will. I don't think he'll ever come out and admit that. He lied. Nah. Just say it right out. Maybe in his deathbed, he probably will. Yeah, man, it's crazy. And what's also crazy, last thing before we get into the shout-outs, is the Ghislaine Maxwell trial is happening right now. Mm-hmm. All the Jeffrey Epstein stuff um, people are familiar with, he he died. But I, he killed himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, quote, unquote. He killed himself in jail cell. He had all the dirt. But Ghislaine Maxwell also has some of the dirt. And this whole trial is getting no media attention. I've only seen sketches and quotes from within the court. There's no camera in there because they're saying names. They're saying Bill Clinton. They're saying Donald Trump. They're saying Prince Charles. Like they're saying names. So there will be no clips going viral on Twitter of this case, and it will be quickly buried. And sh- and whoever is found guilty of these things will be found guilty. And this whole thing was going to get sealed, mm-hmm. and like for like seventy years, you won't even. It'd be all redacted. That's my call. I'm calling it now. We won't be able to. We won't be able to see all of the details of these court transcripts because she's she's dropping heat or she won't be dropping heat because they're going to pay her for her silence or she's going to kill herself. Yeah. Quote, quote, unquote. Yeah. I'm surprised she's still alive. To be quite honest with you. Well, you can't double you can't double dip like that. 
Jeffrey Epstein can't come up. Oh, man, because I'm, <laughs> bro, <laughs> the Jeffrey Epstein quote unquote suicide, they said the cameras were broke. The security guards went on the bathroom break. Sleep some shit. Somebody, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, just a bunch of shit where you're like, Don't oh, you like a, a child? That's what it was. <laughs> it was really disrespectful to the whole country, but we just moved past it really. Like, we just had to accept, like, I guess they just lied to our face, and <laughs> I guess we just have to take that. Yeah. They're like, I don't know. He slipped, and the towel, He ha- how did he get towels? It's a banana peel on the floor. He slipped and cracked his head open. <laughs> what? Like, all his ribs are broken. Yeah, I don't know. So those beds are in prison are really uncomfortable. <laughs> we don't know. But let's just move on. And then we did. We just got to go. We just got to go. Yeah. Okay, all right. How about the Ravens? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think they can double dip and just go back to Ghislaine Maxwell. They walk in their wow. cell like, oh, she beheaded herself. Wow. Crazy. So I don't think they can do that. So, I mean, maybe not. But we'll see. You know, I don't know. Like, yeah, she just died in her sleep somehow. We don't know. It's like a little needle injection on the back of her neck. So we don't know how that's going to play out. But I know that we won't be seeing very much of it, if any. See some, we'll see some sketches and whatever, and we're going to move quickly past that. But it's crazy times, man. But anyway, uh, let's get into these shout-outs, my guy. That's right. It's time for shout-outs, man. We appreciate all of you guys so much. I'm very excited. Maybe we'll make an announcement at the end of the episode, Fran, about some stuff coming in 2022. Uh, but you know, until then, let's get into these shout outs. Up first, we got Anne Marie, and that's it. Um, oh, wow, thank you very much to Anne Marie. We appreciate you. Thanks. Hey, listen, it's the holiday season, people got to buy gifts, they don't have time to be buying this exclusive content, even though it's fire. Yeah. But you don't have time to be doing that, they got other things they need to take care of. So, I understand. Shout out to her, Tis this, shout out to Anne. Listen, Christmas time is happening. And she took the money out of her pocket. Instead of buying a gift for somebody, she, uh, you know, she joined. She joined the train. She joined yeah. the affirmative murder train. So that's always greatly appreciated. So shout out to you, Anne Marie. Much appreciated. Um, Fran, I, there was a there was a quote that I wanted to just read, just to let people uh, settle in. It's not a quote; it's a tweet. I want because I didn't mention it at the when we were talking about the Crumleys. But um, uh, uh, Doctor Uche Blackstock on Twitter, she put out a tweet. She said, "If the Crumleys were black, their behavior and actions would be an indictment on Black Parenthood." But they're white, so they're just the crumblies. Yeah. And I just thought that was really powerful. Yep. We've talked about that as a lot of times where it's like, as a black person, you feel like you have to answer to a criminal that happens to be black. It's, it like reads bad on the whole community. But so often these shootings keep happening over and over and over again. And more often than not, they look a certain way. And it's yet to be a major conversation about what are white parents teaching their children? Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is the Crumley. They're this is some crazy family, the Crumleys. Oh, they're wild, as as opposed to like, you know, sagging their pants. I mean, I've heard it, you know, all these things. We heard these things. The rap music, everything about black culture comes up to to this to the witness stand when there's some kind of crime that happens from a person that is black. Mm-hmm. It like puts the whole community at, you know, in the limelight. Yep. Well, maybe if they weren't dancing all the time, you know what I mean? It's like, what? You know, it's like these these things come into conversations all the time, and and I, th- I thought that was a very um, poignant tweet that she put out. So I just wanted to give her credit for that. Yeah, want to let people soak in on that, marinate on that, like some chicken wings. And uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. <laughs> all right, welcome back, <laughs> Welcome back. It's my turn to go first. Um, I got a pretty short story only because I don't have a lot of information on the story because it happened April. Well, this article that I got it from happened in April, my sources, but it did happen beginning of this year, 2021. Okay. So this story is about the Allen, Texas brothers. 
Okay. Two Texas brothers accused of slaughtering four family members in their Texas home in a Bangladesh community before killing themselves. They said they easily got weapons because gun, gun control is a joke. Wait, so it's a Bangladeshi community in Texas? Yes. Okay. And, and, and Allen, Texas. In Allen, Texas. Yes. Okay. Well, anywhere in Texas, you can just get a gun. Yeah, absolutely. There's way... If you think gun control is lackadaisical in the U.S., Texas? go to Texas. Yeah. They give they, you a gun they, when you get you a when you get a Whataburger. <laughs> get a Whataburger, they give you a gun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just find one outside. They're just growing on trees. Yeah. Um, so he's like he said, he said, gun control is a joke. And we're set off the rails. This shit is wild. And, and we're set off the rails partly from watching the TV show, The Office. It set them off to hurt, to kill people? The Office? Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to hear more about this. This is that what? Yeah, man. Like they hated it so much or it was so funny? They, hate, they hated the show for the reasons I hated the show. Maybe the reasons why a lot of people hated the show. I don't think a lot of people hate the show. Everybody loved the show Office. Sure. But at some point you went, oh, I don't like this show anymore. Sure. And I'll get to that point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Then, now. Okay. If it's the reason. <laughs> if it's the reason. I absolutely, think it is, it's the reason. <laughs> if it's the reason I think it is. They went on a murder absolutely, spree. Absolutely. That is, is fucking reason. insane. It's crazy. It's crazy story. It better not be the reason that I think. Yes, it is. And th- the part of what I hate is when I come across stories like this. It's the stories I love. Is because they're nuts, and it's like they're short, and it's like why does a story have to be? It's like when I hear a good song and it's two minutes long, and I go. Damn. Yeah, you can put your foot in this some more? Yeah, and I gotta keep replaying. I got put on I got put on loop. Anywho. In a rambling 12, 12 page note initially linked to his Instagram page, Forhan Toheed, who was 19, said that he and his 20-year-old brother, Tanvar Toheed, were were united in a manic depression and all-day TV watching sessions. The first and most important show we watched was The Office. Great, great show, by the way. Great probably show. my probably my favorite sitcom. Yep. Always Sunny is a, a close second. Yes. So great show. Yes, great show. Uh so the show that he was watching was the office for Han wrote. And a note in a note that stated, Hi everyone, I killed myself and my family. That's how the note starts. That's how the note starts. That is a note you leave. For your neighbors on your door when I'm when you go on vacation for a couple. Yeah, of that's months. like well, for, for the babysitter. You go, hey, uh, there's spaghetti in the fridge. Yes, feel free to put the oven on three fifty yes. and heat it up. Yes, that's not how you. That's not how you. No, start that's a, note a crazy like note. You, I'm about to at, under this. Yeah, I'm gonna let more. you know that I committed suicide. And yeah, killed my whole family. To lead with that is crazy, especially if it's a long note because you're like, oh, you're gonna top this. Yes, because this is how you start. This is just right. <laughs> so this is gonna get wild. Yes, that's crazy. Comedy was one. Of four very important issues I encountered throughout my life. Forham claimed in an online note. Police confirmed. Now, everybody knows Steve Carroll is. Steve Carell, yes. I'm oh, sorry, Carell, yes, Steve Carell. So Forham claimed that online on, in an online note, police confirmed to CBS DFW is linked to a gruesome bloodbath. He then ranted at length about how about how the show should have ended. Carell and uh Carell's character, Michael. Left uh-huh. because eventually the show went to shit. I don't, I don't, I agree. I don't argue with this. I agree. I did watch all of The Office, but it was a precipitous drop from season six, is when he leaves, I believe, to I season seven. nine. I think it's season seven. Season seven? Yeah, I think it's season seven, oh, I believe. Okay, well, to so like the last Whatever. like two or three seasons were really hard to watch. I skipped the, after he left, I skipped the 
all of, I skipped that point. I was like, I don't want to always this. skip Goodbye Michael because it makes me cry. I skipped that until the finale. I did watch. I did know how the show ended. Yes, whatever. but, but between ended, yeah. when he leaves and that, I didn't. I didn't. You, you didn't. You didn't miss much. They kept bringing in people to be the new boss. Then eventually they make Andy the boss. Didn't go well. He sucks at the job. Aaron and him never get together, even though they they keep making it a thing. And then eventually yeah. just they just abandon that. They abandon every storyline. Pam almost cheats on Jim. The show goes to shit. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, that's what he said. But I agree with that. I yeah. haven't killed anybody. Same. You know. Same. Yeah. Same. Complaining about plot and character developments that enraged him. Everybody's a critic, man. People say the finale makes up for it, which is a complete lie. Yeah, I don't. That's not- sure it was cute. But it doesn't justify. Imagine this being in a in a note, a, a note that you murdered a bunch of people and yourself, and you go, "What why are they talking what? about? Why are they going on a five paragraph thing about the structure of and the his last- bodies laying everywhere? You reading a note? It's crazy about the There's blood on the note. You're like, and I just didn't really think that the character development really uh, played uh, played out in any kind of way with Aaron's character. It kind of left us wanting more. You're like, yeah. uh, there's uh, there's this house is full of bodies and blood. Yeah, reading this note, I would forget that where I'm at. Yeah. Because I'm in, because like I, I'm agreeing, like yeah, I know like, what he's talking what? about. I agree, yes, man. And I go, oh good shit, points. wait, snap out, and you're like, yeah. oh, there's bodies, there's bodies everywhere, are, right? Because he is making some. These are these are solid points, exactly. But yeah. they don't belong in a suicide note. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is crazy. Uh, so again, he said that uh, the finale makes up for it, which is a which is a complete lie. Sure, it was cute, but it doesn't justify the last few shitty seasons mm-hmm. we had to deal with. Oh man, this dude was like. I wasted my t- I'm going through depression. Yes. Mental issues. And I had to sit here and watch this the show that I love. of a show. Well, you got you to really put it into context, too. Because those first four it's are phenomenal. some of the most perfect it's television. It's the best comedy, most best, the best bits ever. Yeah, yeah. And then he had to watch this thing that he loved yep. turn into Crumble. garbage. Yeah. You know? Much like I did with Game of Thrones. It's, yeah. It's kind of like, like he was, whatever he was dealing with, it was like, I have this one thing that makes, I can't, yes. I can't be this happy. This gets me through the day. But this one thing gets me through the day. Now I don't have. Now this thing that this, gets me through the day hates me and is ruining and I everything. Don't have anything else. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he said that, but, but it, do, it doesn't justify the last few shitty seasons we had to deal with. He wrote saying he had a, he had a lot more. This is what he said. I'm sorry. He said saying he had, I have a lot more to say, but life is just too short. I mean, I, and that's the part where it's like, Oh yeah, this is a suicide note. Like that's yeah. where you snap out of it because yeah. you're like, yeah, man. I mean, those last three seasons were, you know, life is too. You're like, life is too short. Oh my god, wow. I'm at a like a murder suicide yeah. house. Yeah, this guy killed all these people because he was mad about the office. Yeah, it's like that's. Crazy. I could go on about how bad I hate the show now, but I, I just go. I got things I have to do. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So we kept watching inter- until February 21st of 2021. That's the day my older brother came into my room with a proposition. If we can't fix everything in a year, we'll kill ourselves and our family. What a crazy proposition that yeah. is. Yep. That is cr- that is crazy. And I don't even understand what that part fix even what? meant. Yeah, it was that, like, fix you know, our lives. if we can't fix everything in a year, we'll kill ourselves and our family. He wrote of the show. Fix what? They thought they could fix... Well, you can't fix the show. I have no You know the idea, sickest man. part of this whole thing, though? Aside from that, he killed all these people and himself, tragically. Is that the office at this point has been over for like a decade. They just found out about it. I had to live this. (laughs) I was watching the office in real time and remember the show turning into garbage. Somebody could have, I'm sure somebody told him, 
hey man, those last couple seasons get they already existed. They already happened. Yeah. Like that's crazy. It'd be like it would be like uh it would be like um beating up your brother really severely when you found out that James Evans died on Good Times mm-hmm. in 2015. Yeah. Like you find that out in 2015, you're watching Good Times reruns, and then James Evans died, and you go off and have this violent, you know, reaction. By yourself. The show's been over. Yeah, the show, yeah. It's 30 like, years. Everybody knows this happened. <laughs> More people forgot that the show exists. Yeah. Why are you having such a, a, a major reaction to something that is now history? This is history. But you said this happened this year? Yes. This is hist- This happened, a, this show ended a decade ago. That's crazy as shit, man. He's going through something. He's, he's, these two kids did Listen, nothing justifies this, but if you're watching TV in real time and you're having mental issues and stuff, and then you find out right then and there, wait, what? That's what the show did? And you snap. I get that a little bit more than like yeah. watching reruns of a show that's been over for a decade and having this kind of reaction. It's crazy. Yeah, man. They really love the show. That's what got them through today. Um, again, Forhan looked up to his older brother, Tanvar. So um, obviously Tanvar was older. You know, he looked up to his older brother who came in with this, with this proposition like, hey, man, you know, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And Kill goes, everybody yeah. if we can't fix the show or our yep. lives. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd say that guy went a tad too far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Continue. Couldn't, Sorry. Couldn't, yes. wait, couldn't get. Couldn't hold that. Oh, one as soon in. as you said his name, I was like, I'm going to get that in there at some point. Right. Uh, please continue. So they soon change that proposition to just a month with four. Oh, that's way. That's way too short. Yeah. With four saying we eventually realized we are just biding our time. Waiting a year was just way too long. Why not wait a month, he said. So the plan was simple. We get two guns. I take one and shoot my sister and grandma while my brother kills our parents with the other. Then we take ourselves out, he wrote. They are believed to have shot dead their father, Tawhidul Islam, who was 54, the mother, Irene Islam, who was 56, who both were part of the Islamic Association of Allen, and 77-year-old grandmother, Altafun Nessa, who was visiting from Bangladesh police told cbs um dfw so the grandma and the mom was supposed to be traveling back to bangladesh um but the fight the flight got canceled earlier because of the covid the covid spike um back home damn yep they also killed Forhan's uh 19 year old twin sister farbin who reportedly had a full scholarship to nyu before turning the guns on themselves all six victims were discovered by police dead with gunshot wounds. Mm. During a wellness check at about 1 a.m. on Monday, the report said, it was not immediately clear what guns were used. Wow. Yep. Now, are you saying that they turned the guns on each other like they shot each other so that they weren't committing suicide? Uh, they had two guns, so I don't think so. I think they okay. just went, went, you know, went, went on three. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the brothers assumed getting guns <laughs> was the most challenging part of the whole plan. They decided... <laughs> This is our hurdle we have to get over, but yeah. if you no, know, we just got to do what we have to do to get over this hurdle. But instead, they found that gun control, <laughs> U.S. is a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. They were like, I mean, listen, I'm super down to kill our whole family, but it'll be impossible to get guns. Oh, a gun. Yeah. <laughs> just disappeared in my yeah, hand because I wanted one. Wow. Uh, so he said that gun control in the U.S. is a joke for a rope. This is in This is in the letter, too. This is in the letter. Oh, he's so like reminder, shitting on the country. Yeah, so remi- <laughs> you know, you have to, again, reminder is you only have to be 18 to get a gun in Texas. Mm-hmm. These kids are 19, 20 years old. Yeah. So um, all my brother had to do was go to a gun shop, which anybody can do, mm-hmm. by saying, you know, I want a gun for home defense. Yep. 
and you sign some forms and voila, get it gun. Right there on the spot. There was a question that they, you had to be asked was, do you have mental issues? No. Get this. He lied. <laughs> <laughs> like a liar. <laughs> he just told a lie on it. You can say no when it's the yeah, answer. Yes, sometimes. It's that easy, it's huh? Just, <laughs> just, just say Isn't no. Isn't that crazy how pens no. work? Yeah. Just say no. You have mental? No, I don't. No. no. So I don't. You just go, steaming. You guys not. <laughs> yeah, you, you write that. No. Right. Three O's. Silly. No. <laughs> <laughs> so he literally just said no. They didn't ask for no proof if he was taking medication, because he was. Yeah. Because he had a mental issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it. Yeah. Just got a gun. Getting a gun should never be as easy as going to uh, going to a facility during a pandemic and going, have you had COVID in the last nine days? No, I haven't. Yeah. Okay, go. Yeah. <laughs> Come on it in. It should never be, it should yeah, never it be that easy yeah. getting a gun. Yeah. That's how easy Ever. it is to play a game of basketball <laughs> in an indoor arena <laughs> yes. these days. It shouldn't be that easy to get a gun. Yes. I just got back from Wuhan today. Yeah. No, I haven't been. Have you been exposed to any? <laughs> no, I don't have. <laughs> okay, you go in. Um, so he said, thanks for making the process easy. Oh, that's in the note too? Yeah. He said, thanks oh, for making the process so easy. Thanks Amer- a lot. America. He didn't say America. I said it. Oh, okay. But <laughs> that's, that's, that's essentially what he was saying. <laughs> that's, that's basically what he was saying. Wow. So the bloodbath was a result of both brothers battling depression. He wrote, Depression. saying that his father worked his ass off to help, but to no avail. I've had depression since ninth grade, which was 2016. Mm-hmm. Not the damn, he said, not the damn, I failed my test depression. Everyone says they have. More like I cut myself twice a day. That's better than usual depression. Fulheim wrote, yeah. saying his brother's condition was much worse. Wow. He said, the dude is a fucking genius, talking about his brother. Yeah. But it's too depressed and socially and socially anxious to do anything with it. Forhan detailed how his depression eventually forced him to drop out of, of UT Austin, which is University of Texas in Austin, where he had been a computer science student. He said, I only cried, laughed, and talked to myself while punching a wall for hours, he said, insisting it wasn't so bad. Mm. As other times, he broke. No matter what I did, I just can't be happy. So their gruesome plot was based on pure logic, he insisted. So get this shit. I love my family. I genuinely do. And that's exactly why I decided to kill them, he wrote. Uh-oh. If I kill myself. Now, he did like a pros and cons type thing. Oh, wow. So if I kill myself, they will be miserable. Yes. They will spend the rest of their lives feeling guilt, uh-huh. despair, and a multitude of other adjectives that mean sad. Following. Instead of having to deal with. The aftermath of my suicide, sure. I can just do them a favor and just take them out with me. None of us will ever have to feel sad ever again. To do them a favor is just that the is, most nutty shit I've ever heard. That is some mental gymnastics. And for you to say that to justify killing everybody, your actions is crazy. That is some mental gymnastics. I've never heard anything like that in my life. It's like, well, if I kill my just myself, and I've heard, I mean, it's not the first time I've heard that. Just say I heard that before. Well, no, that's just a fact. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, listen, I, you know, people. A lot of the anger associated with when you lose somebody to suicide, or you know, somebody somebody decides to end their own life, yeah. is the the people that you leave behind having to deal with that and mm-hmm. the loss and the anger and the depression and feeling like I should have asked another question or maybe I should have stayed a little later that night because I was with them the night and I left them. And the, the energy was a little bit off. Yeah. And that's very that's a very real thing. Yeah. But for him to like use that to manipulate his own brain and go, 
let this me right save thing. my family from yeah. that and just we'll all be dead yeah is truly there's no question that this guy was going through a lot of uh, mental problems because yeah. that is a for your brain to even function that way and be able to make that make sense is is a sign of severe mental illness yes um so he did say however he also admitted that you know if i'm going to die you know which is a I think that's just like, well, I'm not going to say that because I've heard that before. But he said, I also admitted that if I'm going to die, I might as well get some attention. Oh, that's in there? Yeah. Wow. What is that? You know something, man? I, I think there needs to be a study done. So he, he was, he was, you said he was in the, he was in the ninth grade in 2016 or something like that, right? Yeah. There needs to be some kind of study done about what social media has done to these and kids' brains. This, but this is what I was just about to say after, before I read it, was I, I like, is it just like a generation thing where it's just like, no matter if Fame. You, no matter what it is, I'm leaving some type of... Likes, I want... I, in the words of uh, uh, Paul Holes, he says, uh, trying to leave a, a, a legendary status. Yeah. That's what he used. Yeah. Um, it's just like, it seems so. it seems so new now. It's like, it's... I know it's always been a thing for you, like oh, just to be known for something. But yeah. I mean, like for now, anything, social now media, like, anything, uh, like, for it anything. doesn't matter what it. I, I'm killing myself, and I like I want to be, I want to leave some type of, I want to get some type of fame that I won't. It's like it's it's just crazy. Won't even man. be here for it, but the, just the idea that like the you're going through this crazy process, but you'll go, man, people are going to be talking about this though. Yeah. They're going to be talking about me. You yeah. won't be here. You won't experience it. Anything, right. but it's a part. It's a factor in your decision. Yeah. And I'm sure there are studies done. I've actually read a couple of like uh, studies. I've listened to some podcasts where people are talking about what the like button and the endorphins, all yeah. that stuff comes from that. What that's done to the ki- a kid's brain yeah. who's of this, the Gen Z kid, what that's done to their brain, yeah. the depression that comes from like not enough likes on your photo right. or no comments or whatever. The, what it's done, the swiping, all of it, it, it's all psychologically calculated by these companies. It's all, they've been doing focus groups. It's all strategic. The infinite swipe on on uh, TikTok. Mm-hmm. This is all strategic. Somebody came up with that. It's not just like, really? it's not a coincidence that you can just swipe forever. It's the same tactics as casinos. Mm-hmm. When you go to a casino, there's no windows, no they clocks. Turn, they turn the air down. Is that, is that true? Yes. No windows, no clocks. It's nice and cozy. There's yep. people coming around constantly giving you free booze. And if you want to, you can give them a dollar as a tip. Yeah. But they're going to be constantly giving you alcohol. And the next thing you know, you've been there for five hours yeah. on a slot machine. Don't know what time it is outside and shit. Oh, yeah. You don't know if it's dark, light, day, right. nothing. And that's the they took that and put it on TikTok. So you could just swipe forever yeah. and ever and ever. And the next thing you know, it's been three hours. Yep. It's crazy, bro. Yeah. I, 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 the idea that he said in his suicide note, I I want to get some attention too. That's that's sick, man. Yeah. Um. So Allen Police told CBS that they had no prior interaction with the family, and they would give any in, and and that and that would give any indication such as a tragedy could be about to happen. So a family friend Sean uh, Hassan told the outlet that everyone who knew the family is heartbroken. When I heard the news, I couldn't breathe for twenty to thirty minutes. How could this happen in a community like us? We're so close and we visit each other and talk to each other. We have dinner and other stuff that uh, Asan said. But inside the house, his children were, unha- were, were unhappy for some reason. And one thing led to another. And that was, uh, that was done in an interview um, by the news. That they, was, when, like, they was gathering outside. Yeah. And all the people, people and, who knew and the them community. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it was, a, it was a community of just, just them. Yeah. 
Um, and people like people from their country, right? Yeah, their country. Yeah, and Bangladesh. And it was, yeah, and it was just heartbroken. Nobody. I mean, stuff like this. You don't. People say you don't see it coming. You don't. Even if uh, you hear stories like this, and it's like there were hints, nobody took them seriously enough to go yeah. check on them or something like that. So nobody saw this coming. Coming, and the fact that it was like it sparked off because like the office got shitty. That tells you just how sick they were. Yeah, it was crazy. Know? And one thing I'll say is, like, as a person who, you know, I, I, I would say I, I, I battle the I got a, a bad grade on my math test yeah. depression from yeah. time to time. But as somebody who has dealt with that, the last thing I do is, like, broadcast it. So this idea of, like, signs and hints and yeah. they won't be there a lot of the time. Yeah. Because this is a person who is withdrawn, gone inside of themselves, putting on a brave face, saying short one word answers that will get the conversation over with how you doing i'm good i'm yeah. all right fine it's all right you know you know yeah these things that just and, and unless you're actively aware that this person is you know ha, is on medication has harmed themselves you know i'm sure people didn't actively know this guy was cutting himself if, if that's true i mean right. i don't know you know why lie mm-hmm. in your last note that you're ever going to leave they, if they don't know that, then they just go, man, hey, you look a little sad today. You all right? I'm cool. All right, cool. Well, I'll see you later. It's just, there's no, the signs are only there in the aftermath. Yeah. Then you, then you go, you look back. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Then you flash back and you go, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, when I said, are you okay? It didn't really, he said, yeah, but I didn't really feel like it, but I just brushed it off because I didn't think he was going to do this. Another interesting thing is. It's interesting that this was like an intercommunal violence thing because if they had gone off and like shot up a school or something like that, that whole community would have been like, well, how did you guys not? It's the same thing we were talking about, mm-hmm. that, that, that tweet I read you know, before we went on break. That whole community would have been on trial of like, how could you guys be in this community? Why aren't you guys policing other Bangladeshis? Mm-hmm. Like they would have all had to answer for these two gentlemen. If they had if their violence had been outside of their community. Yeah. But because it wasn't, I've never even heard of this story. Four people and two suicides. I mean, if this had happened and this was at a school or a Starbucks or whatever, I would have heard about this because it would have been a an indictment on immigrants and, you know, these uh, uh, little uh, cultural communities. It would have been an indictment on all of that if people that didn't look like them were their victims. Mm. But because the victims were their own family, I've never heard of this shit before in my life. Yeah. So, wow. Yep. But, no, the office did turn into trash, though. I yeah. do agree. I don't agree with anything in their uh, in that guy's letter, but that there's no argument there for me. I wasn't mad enough to hurt anybody over it, but I was pretty fucking mad. Yeah, it got really shitty. And also, one of my most controversial opinions: everybody shits on Angela on that show. Pamela Morgan Beasley is the true villain of that show. She's a quitter. She doesn't want Jim to follow his dreams. Wait, Angela's the one that's married. What's Angela is the one Jim that's like calling uh, everybody a slut and she, I, stupid. That's not the one that married um, Dwight. At Dwight. the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the at the end, they end oh, up yeah. marrying Dwight. That's the only best. What I, I that's the last thing I saw was yeah, was the wedding. <laughs> oh, a whole bunch of stuff happened in between there. But one of the things that happened was they almost made it look like Pam was going to cheat on Jim because he was trying to start athlete, follow his dreams. He wanted her to go to art school. He believed in her. He pushed her to go to school. She quit the school. And he was like, that's cool. Come back to come back home. That's fine. And then when he wanted to go follow his dream, she was all mean. And it was crazy. I, I don't even know why they did it that way. Just to make more tension on the show or whatever. But it was a bad decision. Again, I wasn't 
uh, inspired to violence over it, but he is right. The show got really, really fucking bad. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, great story. Yeah. Fascinating. Is there anything else to, I mean, the, 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 the guys that killed him, they're, they're dead. There's no yeah, trial. That's there's, it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's my turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. Fran, before I jump into my case, I just wanted to um, take an opportunity to put something on somebody on some people's radars. If it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with the story I'm about to tell. But I just want to let uh, uh, people know about the name Mark Wilson from Georgia. If you Google his name, find out his story. His case is coming up in 2022. I think I think this will be a really interesting precedent in this case. Fran, Mark Wilson is a young man from Georgia. Uh, one night, him and his girlfriend were coming out of a restaurant. Um, they got into some kind of uh, racial conflict with some gentlemen. Mark's black, his girlfriend's white. Uh, some some white teens in a car said some racial slurs to him. And then when he got in his car, started driving away. They ended up getting into like a, a car swerving type of incident. They came back or something. Or? They just never left. They they came. Well, yeah, I guess they came back around. They 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 spun the block and came back around and were kind of just riling them riling him up or whatever. And they threw something at his car. And according to him, he thought. The car, whatever hit his car, hit his car so hard that he thought they were shooting at him. Mm. So he pulled his gun out and he shot one bullet at the car. Oh shit! The car, the bullet goes into the car, shoots a seventeen-year-old girl that was in the back with the guys. So he's on trial for, you know, murder. He's on trial for what? He's on trial. He's on trial. He's on trial for murder. So this will be an interesting case to keep an eye on in twenty twenty-two because Kyle Rittenhouse just got off for standing his ground and defending himself even though he put himself in, in a conflict that led to people getting uh, to somebody getting killed. This is a guy who, you know, according to him, these people were antagonizing him, coming after him, attacking him, threw something at him. And then he elevated the uh, level of aggression and shot his gun because he was in fear of his life and somebody was killed. So uh, Mark Wilson, people, his, his, case, his trial is coming up in 2022. I want people to just keep an eye on that. I just want to see how this plays out. Because maybe he gets off. Maybe he isn't found not guilty. But if he Should is found go. guilty, it would, it would be... That's a really interesting statement. Because I I think his story sounds more in the right than Kyle Rittenhouse. And Kyle right. Rittenhouse isn't in prison right now. So just something to keep an eye on. Again, Mark Wilson, M-A-R-C, Wilson, Georgia. If you look that up, you get all the details. Um, and maybe I'll put an, an article up on the Facebook uh, group or something like that. Just something to... Something so that dude is just out like, living like nothing ever happened. Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's out living like nothing ever. Ha- well, no, he met the he met the former he met the former president Donald Trump. Um, so that's <laughs> cool. He? We got flown out to Mar-a-Lago. Uh, he'll probably get a job in some kind of CPAC type of engage speaking ga- engagement for the rest of his life, and probably like sign shirts that you know have like stand your ground on them at conventions forever. So I mean, yeah, kind of. He can't he wow. can't go anywhere. You know, he's definitely like a a polarizing figure to say the least, but in some circles, he's like a hero. He's like a folk hero and he's going to get paid handsomely probably for going to those engagements where he's like a folk hero. And yeah, a lot of connections came from that for him. So I don't know. Is it like, Oh, he can't walk around New York city anymore, but in Iowa, he's a God. Then just live in Iowa for the rest of your life and fucking open a car dealership and be like in suits and be like, I'm Kyle Rittenhouse. And one thing I hate more than riots are bad deals on cars. And is that then, what uh what's name is doing uh what's um oh George Zimmerman yeah you know he was I mean I don't know what he's doing now he's he's become even more of a scumbag post infamy but uh he was signing skittle bags and really oh yeah he was doing some some vile despicable shit man yeah 
going to speaking engagements where people are like, you're my hero, man. Can you sign my gun that I hope to shoot some black person who comes on my property with someday? I want your signature on this. So that's Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be doing that. But anyway, this is I, I want to just take an opportunity to speak about Mark Wilson. So I spoke about him. I think people should keep an eye on this case. It's coming up in 2022 and, and learn about him. Learn about his story. It's an interesting story. And, you know, and it really is like, what is stand your ground? You know, and, and if this person's found guilty and this person wasn't found guilty, I think that's a really interesting statement to the country. So I just want people to keep an eye on that one. Anyway, Fran, my affirmative murder this week is the story of Reginald Oates. Reginald Oates was born in 1950 in Baltimore, Maryland, and was adopted at an early age by a couple called the Oates. I don't know what his uh, birth name was, but, you know, he adopted their surname when he was when they, when they took him in. In the 1950s, Baltimore was experiencing something not so unique to cities across the U.S. White flight. The frenzied building of highways in the 1950s led to the creation of massive rings of surrounding suburbs. As you know, Fran, you know, it's a really the thing here is um, we don't say suburbs. We say county. It's like you're either from the city or you're from the county. But the county is anything. Yeah. It really is crazy. Like Baltimore is such a small part of Maryland, but everything outside of uh, Baltimore is the county. Yeah. Whether it's Baltimore County, Calvert County, Harford Prince County. George's yeah. County. It's, 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 and it's like, you're, that's so cocky of us, but that's just how we get down. Yeah. If you, you're either from here or you're, you're from city? somewhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're in the city or you're in the county. So, um, but this is where it all kind of started when they started building these highways in the 1950s. As people moved to the suburbs, or the county, as yep. is known here, so did the jobs. As people with jobs moved to the suburbs, so did the tax base. Taking with it good schools and retail. Yep. So that's the thing that's not talked about enough. Like we're, We are currently living the end results of this, this movement. Or not us, personally, but inner city schools mm. are in terrible condition because the only people that are left in the city after this kind of movement are people who don't have jobs, you know, or struggling and what and things like that. So these these public school, the public school system is in disarray. And now what's interesting that's happened over the last like 20 or so years is people have come back into the city for the real estate and to develop the land and, and take over these brownstones and build them back up and make, make these own little communities. But they put their kids in private school. So their money doesn't go to rebuilding the public schools. So even though they've, though they've moved back into the city, they've almost like structured it in a way where their tax money goes to the things they want it to go to. Yeah. You know, so it's really interesting what's happening. And now it's like reversing. Now they're moving the black and brown people out of the city. It's like they came back for it. Yeah. It's like, oh, we forgot about all this. We like skyscrapers and, and glass windows and looking at yeah. ocean views and whatever lake views so we're going to come back and get that now yeah. that it's all destroyed and cheap and john hopkins is growing and buying up every goddamn thing yes so and you can tell by just the crime crime rates going up in the county oh yeah 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 well because they're flipping it yeah they're flipping it and that's you know and and some people the thing that you know some people will call you paranoid for saying but it like it almost seems strategic like yeah, let man. the let the property value get dirt cheap trash the neighborhood is in disarray sell it for a penny and then you come in and you buy it and you sell it for 80 times more than what you paid for it. Yeah. You know, cause now all of a sudden there's money to be poured into the area all of a sudden. But yeah. you know, 10 years ago when people were struggling, there wasn't money for community programs yeah. and all this stuff. But anyway, what I'm saying is the 1950s is when this all started. Mm -hmm. So the only people and businesses remaining in the cities by 1970 were people who had no other option, poor people. 
Reginald Oates grew up battling a socially disadvantaged atmosphere filled with segregation and attacks from his peers. In 1965, while in the ninth grade, Oates was accused of attempting to rob another student at gunpoint for a few cents. Cent, pennies, change. A claim asserted by other students at his school. So he probably was doing that shit. Probably was strong arm robbing people, you know, to get by or whatever. Um, This claim he himself denied. He was found guilty, convicted and sentenced to two years in prison, which he served in an institution for juvenile offenders. During his imprisonment, Oates was physically and sexually abused by other prisoners. The trauma of this experience is possibly the trigger for the direction Reginald's life went soon after his release. So, Fran, once he got out of juvie, he returned to living with his parents and he dropped out of school and found work as a waste collector mm. or a janitor, some people call but he a waste collector. Uh, not long after, he converted to Christianity, but had previously began showing signs of mental illness. Whether this is not whether the mental illness was always there or was if it was uh, exacerbated by his trauma from prison. I don't know, but. Apparently, um, when he got out of prison, it it was more apparent on the surface that something was off with him. Mm -hmm. On April 17th, 1968, Oates lured 10-year-old Lewis Hill into Gwen Falls, now notorious Leakin Park, Mm. where he beat and raped him. Afterwards, he slit his throat and violated his corpse before slicing off his head and hands. His head and hands? Head and hands. To keep him? No, to scatter them. So whether that's whether he is cognizant enough to know about dental records and fingerprints, I don't know. But it was a very, I mean, head and hands Jeez. is very intentional. Like that's dental records and that's fingerprints. Right. But I don't know if he did it on purpose. I, I mean, he did it on purpose. Yeah. I don't know if he did it so that, oh, they don't off. know where the fingerprints are. No. They don't know where the t- where the teeth are. I don't know if that's why he did it. Yeah, had to. Well, he's yeah. probably like a sick game. Or yeah, it could be that as well. Um I don't know. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt of being that smart. So that's what I mean. Like that's a very, I mean, that's very calculated. Yeah. I mean, you don't just know that. Like I feel like you'd have to read books or something. That's like something Hannibal Lecter would do. Yeah. The next day, using the same tactic. So the tactic that they that he that they believe he used was he was luring young kids into the woods with promises of like, let's go play uh, cowboys and Indians. Yeah. Which I don't even remember the rules of anymore. I guess it's like tag. Like if you're the Indian, you're being chased or. Cowboy. Never play that game. Huh? Never played that game. Yeah, I don't actually now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if I've ever I know it. I know the name, <laughs> right. but I don't think I've ever played it. No. So I don't know the rules. But that's they think that was one of his tactics of luring these kids into the woods. By like, oh we'll play and he's like an older kid, you know, so mm-hmm. the kids want to be cool and be down. So they they it might have been easy to like get them to follow him. Yeah. So like I said, the next day using the same tactics, Oates lured three boys into the park. Eight year old Larry Jefferson, his five year old brother Mac. And 10-year-old Lester Watts. At one time? Mm-hmm. All that? Wow. Yeah. Uh, beating and stabbing all three numerous times. Jesus. Like with Hill, he had sex with the children's bodies, mm. gutting their internal organs, and what? cutting off their genitals, which he took with them. For weeks leading up to these attacks, several children had returned home with the reports that they had been accosted by a man who made sexual advances to them near Leakin Park. And now four children were missing. So this was already there was already rumors something leaking park. There's a guy maybe going being creepy towards kids, but now four kids are go missing in two days. So now it's like something's going on. These kids are by themselves. Yeah, well, leaking park is. I mean, 
now it has more of like a notorious thing, but it is it's like a there's a playground. It's it's a big park. Like there's a walkway. Huh? What's that supposed to mean? Kids go to the park. It's the 70s. Like you know, parents were just letting their kids be out at this time. It wasn't as much of a overbearing culture as it as it as it, mm. as it is now. And even still now, it's not that overbearing. But definitely, people aren't leaving their doors unlocked and being like, "Make sure you're home for dinner." Eight year old. Yeah. Just go ride your bike. You know, it's like it was that kind of world. So everybody goes, meets up at the playground in Leakin Park and hang out and play until the streetlights come on. So authorities learned of a young man who had apparently been living in the park for at least several days, sleeping inside a dead tree and believing that he may have been connected to the missing children's cases. A dead tree? Yeah, like sometimes the trees die, but they'll still be up. Mm. You can like go inside the hollow middle. And they think he just was like in there, like curled up what? sleeping. Yeah. Squirrel or something? Something like that. Yeah, something like a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two days later, on April 19th, 1968, Baltimore City police found the beaten and mutilated bodies of the four young boys in a section of Leakin Park that was covered with thick underbrush and woods. Mm. On that same day, Oates managed to lure two underage girls into the park, which he unsuccessfully attempted to attack. Authorities encountered 18-year-old Reginald carrying a metal lunchbox and two paper bags in or near Leakin Park. He took off running immediately as soon as they made eye contact, which is not suspicious at all. Uh, After apprehending him, the police examined the containers and found body parts from three of his victims Mm. along with with cutting tools and bloody rags. Like a suitcase or something? A metal lunchbox and then two brown brown bags. So the, oh, he found the body parts in the, bar, the brown bags. Yeah, along with some bloody rags and some cutting tools. Just carrying around. Uh, carrying around child's penises. That's what was in the bag. Uh, it was actually Oates who subsequently led BCPD to the location of the bodies. So they, they, uh, tracked, the, they tracked the kids down once they ran into him and apprehended him. Yeah. Following his arrest, Oates was charged with four murders, four rapes, two assaults with intent of rape, and one armed robbery. He himself pled not guilty, declaring that he was insane. He was, exam- he was examined by psychiatrists who in November of that year, so this happened in April, mm-hmm. and by November of that same year, he was examined and psychiatrists came to the same conclusion and verified that Oates could not stand trial due to the mental condition. Wow. As a result, he was sent for compulsory treatment at the Clifton T. Perkins State Hospital in Jessup, Maryland. A is check- this a mental facility or something? Yes. Is it still yeah. open? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Now, this is where it gets interesting because I did try to do as much research as I could to kind of find an update, right? Only update I could find was that according to all records, he is still alive. He's about 70 years old right now. Um, a check of the Maryland inmate locator does not list Reginald Ver- Vernon Oates. However... Reginald Vernon Oates is mentioned quite frequently in the Maryland Judiciary case search. His address is listed as Clifton T. Perkins Hospital Center at 8450 Dorsey Run Road in Jessup, Maryland. So, Fran, you can send him a letter go. if you want to. This is for you, man. Uh, no, you can. That's why you gave me the information so you can do it. I gave you the information no. so I can do it? No, that's why you mentioned it so you was like, okay, this is no, what so I'm giving you. Go, you, so you, you know, go and write him a I'm letter. Because I, I give you the information all the time, but you never take advantage of it and write these people letters or give them a call. I tell you like I this. Why. I tell you like this. It won't definitely won't be this guy. Maybe <laughs> somebody try. with a more complicated we story. We do that and we do an episode on it. <sighs> don't, don't, don't try to tempt me with content. Don't do that. That's not that's dirty, tricks great, that's that'd that'd dirty tricks you play. Dirty tricks you play. That'd be great. Write you back? Oof. 
We get him to agree to a phone call. I won't be in on that <laughs> at all. I don't need to hear the darkness coming out of this guy's mouth. Um, he let it all out to us. Oh, I'm like, God. to us, you no, please don't find somebody more qualified to, to don't not here, not here. Uh, so <laughs> every few years, he petitions the Maryland Department of Health and Mental Hygiene for his release. In August of 2009, he, I mean, in August of 2010, he was denied yet again. Good. That was the last update I had from that. Also, uh, one last thing, because that's the end of the story. Between 1946 and 2018, at least 79 bodies have been found in Leakin Park. 79? At least 79. Wow. This is according to a data specialist named Ellen Worthing. The most notable uh, uh, human bodies being found having been Heyman Lee, who was, uh, the, the you know, in the Adnan Saeed case, oh, okay. whether or not he yeah. did it or not. But she was the murder victim who was found in Leakin Park, as well as Joyce Ann DeShields, who I'm not sure who she's alleged to have been killed by, but it when in my, when I was looking up, it said unknown serial killer. So hmm. I don't know. But um, yeah, man, Leakin Park, now very notorious. Um, it's, a, it's a big park, and people dump bodies there. Yeah. And that was the story of Reginald Oates, man. Rest in peace to those little kids just trying to, you know, have fun and got taken advantage of. Now the real, another real conversation to be had here is I watched a documentary called pervert park. Mm. Okay. Now that's a crazy title for a movie, but the uh, pervert park is a documentary about a trailer park in Florida of all places, of course. Right. Where, um, sex offenders, hang out. No, it's like a trailer park where they all live, live, and it's like they live in harmony. Like, we live here and everybody here is a sex offender, so nobody's calling us perverts and rapists and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost like a little bit of peace. They've been sent there or is it like, that's the place to go? That I'm not sure. I think that it comes with, like, there's a treatment center near there or something where they get therapy and stuff. I don't know if it is, a, like, a, like a clinic or something. like okay. Or like a, like, a, um, like a rehab facility. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a rehab facility. Like, I think they live there and it's just is known that this is a safe haven for people who are have to register as sex offenders for the rest of, the, of, yeah. of their life. And what's interesting is it, it, it's definitely not an excuse. Reginald Oates was, you know, according to him, uh, violently sexually assaulted in, in, juvie, in juvenile detention when he was 14. Every person in that documentary, Pervert Park, was a victim of sexual assault. And then they went on to sexual assault young kids as well. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like not almost like it is when you experience severe trauma at a young age like that, especially trauma attached to like sexual identity and sexual preference and Mm -hmm. stuff. It, it messes up your, your development at a very crucial time where your brain is still growing and, you know, forming and stuff. And it can bastardize your idea of what consent, sex, sex preference, all of that. It could just, it just can fuck trauma can really destroy a brain, especially a young and developing brain. Mm. So I don't know if, of of uh, uh, Mr. Oates was always destined to be on the path that he was on or if being sexually assaulted at 14 twisted his brain into something and the trauma was so much to deal with that. That's how it manifested. Right. Yeah. But after watching this pervert park documentary, I still, I'm not like, Hey man, you know, People that molest kids, it's not their fault. Like, you know, it, they're, they're fine. Like, I still think it's like one of the worst and most disgusting things that you can do. Mm-hmm. But watching the documentary put it in a different perspective for me where you go, it is a sickness. Like, these are sick people, right? I don't know what you do mm-hmm. to, to, to prevent that, but it put trauma in a different scope for me. Because I do, I do believe trauma 
sticks on to you. It can yeah. make it can it can um, dictate a lot of ways that your life goes and you know things you're comfortable with and just all those kind of decisions. But putting it in the context of like, I was molested, so I became a molester. It's like, oh wow, damn. Because no nobody on the they they probably exposed like five people at least. And not one person was just like, oh, yeah, I'm just a regular dude. I'm just a regular lady. And they I like to. They all had traumatic experiences. They all had very traumatic experiences that shaped them or, you know, traumatized them or changed the way that their brain functions. So it just was an interesting perspective. And uh, so I, I, I like. Uh, what could be lying? What could just be like, that's the excuse to use. Or they could be lying. That's how or I'm Reginald Oates could be lying as well. That's always that's always a possibility. Yeah. But um, everybody can't be lying. Right. And and we know that trauma does have ways of manifesting itself in, in toxic ways. So yeah. that's that's my overall point. And my and the reason I say that is, you know, uh, Reginald Oates was uh, the victim of a sexual assault, according to him, in, in juvenile detention. And what part that might have played in who he became when he got out, we'll never know. You know, so it's just I don't know, something to think about, right? Like, yeah, I don't know if I recommend Pervert Park, but you know, you know, if if because it is very, it's it's disgusting. Um, cause it's like, it's like, uh, you know, I watched the uh, Chris Hansen to catch a predator. Mm -hmm. It's like that, but like there was, it wasn't a sting. Like they actually went and met the kids. Mm. So these are people who sexually assaulted children and whatever. Like they didn't show up to some house and it was like, huh, tricked you weirdo. Now you're going to jail. It's like, no, they really did show up and the kids' parents weren't home and you know, whatever happened, happened. Yeah. So it is that a lot of that kind of energy. So it is, it is uh, like really gut wrenching. But anyway, uh, that was my affirmative murder. Yeah. Let's get into these good vibes. That's right, folks. It's time for a little bit of good vibes. I went on a little bit of a bummer of a conversation there at the end so let's pick things up a bit that's what we're here to do you know we take you down but we bring you back up at the end with some uplifting uh, messages Fran and uh, my uh, good vibe story this week Fran is about a man named Alexander McCle uh, McLeish let's go with that let's go with McLeish Fran he won a one million dollar prize in the Massachusetts state lottery uh, cash word instant ticket game and the word that won him the scratch off jackpot was a heartfelt coincidence to say the least. And he had heart surgery. Is that what you said? It was a heartfelt coincidence? No. Did he... What did you say in the beginning? I didn't did say that. Way to ruin the... Way to ruin the twist. The surprise oh, at the end. Sorry. Anyway. It was a heartfelt coincidence. The word that he won because of that we don't know yet, friend. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> the Attenborough man who, who had just gone through <laughs> open heart surgery oh, earlier this month okay. received a get well card from a friend Got with you. three instant tickets enclosed. I missed that in the beginning. Okay, yeah. Did you come across this one as well? Yeah. Decided not to go with this one, huh? <laughs> you ruined it instead. That's fine. The friend went out of his way to buy the scratch off at the same store where, the purchased, where he purchased another lottery ticket as a birthday gift for Alexander years earlier that won him $1,000. So he was like, maybe he'll win again. I don't know. Maybe he'll win 550 this time. I don't know. Mm. Can't win a thousand again that's that's just good luck but maybe he went something you know i would have been upset man well you don't know what happened yet friend what you don't know what happened yet what do you mean uh, you'll be upset about what you don't know yet uh, you don't know yet i don't maybe know. I, I did i say he no. won he won a million dollars yeah you said it okay so you'd but be I upset that you i keep buying you tickets and yeah. you win i, I know he's, i know he's not going there buying one lottery ticket i know he's going to get two he's like I'm oh he bought it. three and he well, got he gave them all three to him 
Oh. But I'm sure he bought six. Yeah. And bought, and like, damn, all yours one. And then you got the six, so he chose. That's the part that makes you sick because you go, I think I'm going to give him this this, uh, this purple one. No, I'll keep that one. I'll give him the red one. And then the red one wins. And you had it in your three. And that last little decision, you were like, that's I, that's now, that's why whenever I gamble, I lock my bet. Because it'll be that last second, like you put the you put the chips on seven, mm-hmm. and then you go oh, thirteen. I put on thirteen, yeah, and then seven hits. So I, I lock my bets no matter what. So then that second guess is what really hurts. If you just lose, you lose. Yeah. But when you change it last second, and then the day comes where you do that last second change, and you lose, and the one that you just had it on is the winner. Oh, yeah. you'll never live it down, yeah. especially when it's over a million dollars. So anyway. He, he bought the tickets from the same place that Alexander had won $1,000 from when he bought him a ticket. Mm. This time, the prize was 1,000 times bigger, yeah. and the details of the win were 1,000 times spookier, Fran. Mm. You see, as Alexander began to scratch the your letters area of the, bra- of the ticket, the first three letters revealed a A, a W, and an M. His exact initials. What? Yeah. So already it's like, okay. Because still everything, you still got to scratch some stuff off. But you go, oh, that's crazy. My initials are on this. This is literally, t- this ticket's literally for me. Mm, I don't know, man. As if that weren't enough of a positive omen, Fran, the word that appeared on the bottom row of his winning puzzle, which clinched the, the jackpot for him, was heart. You know, because he had just got heart surgery, yeah. which you didn't know and you didn't say early yeah. on before I got into the thing. I did it. He said heart on yeah. the ticket and he had just got heart surgery for him. Yeah. So that even more cool. His initials are on there and a thing that he had just got done, worked on is on there as well. Wow. Yeah, wow. This could have been a little bit of a some extra stuff through into the story probably. What do you mean? The initial part? No, I'm not buying it. <laughs> it's it's a it's a crossword type of there's letters on there. There's letters on there. They have the ticket, I'm sure, for proof. All right. God, he's such a skeptic. <laughs> so with his son by his side, he tried everything to- Everything ain't as good as it seems. <laughs> I don't win any million-dollar tickets. Everybody just out here winning million-dollar tickets all the time, huh? Where's my million-dollar ticket? Fuck this guy. And I don't think his initials were on the ticket. I think he made it up. <laughs> Fran. <laughs> so with his son by his side, he tried to stay calm. <laughs> Would have been impossible. Tried to stay calm as to not over-excite, over-excite yeah, his- Yeah, he just over- had heart surgery, too. So yeah, does to. not ex- okay. over-excite his overjoyed heart. Because the last thing you want is to go out- with the ticket, you clinching your heart, heart like Wheezy Jefferson or like yeah. George Jefferson, you have a heart yeah. attack? Like in Friday. Oh, man. Next Friday, sorry. Yeah, next Friday. Yeah. His mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, very deep cut reference. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. If, no, it's Christmas. No, it's Christmas. Next next Friday isn't Friday. The, the next. Friday after next is the Christmas yeah. one. People, just watch next Friday. It's a great movie. Super great. Black people love next Friday. <laughs> uh, McLeish claimed his prize at Massachusetts Lottery headquarters in Dorchester on Friday, November 26th. So just in time for Christmas presents and all. Yeah. Oh man, that came through right after uh, Thanksgiving. Got a belly full of turkey, full of turkey meat. Still, probably still digesting a bit. I don't know how digestion works. Been a couple days. <laughs> uh, McLeish told reporters he intends to give his longtime friend over fifty years who bought the ticket okay. a little bit of the prize money. Didn't he, specify. He, he didn't specify. In addition to sharing with his two adult sons, so he didn't. He didn't specify. But friend, what would be an acceptable number for you if you were his friend? Twenty and grand. You, that's it? Yeah. That's a, I'm actually surprised that you said that. Oh, wait, he won a million. Yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> okay, okay. So what do you think he won when you said 20? 100. 100,000. So you think he should give you $200,000? Oh, 100. What? No, what? I well, said I'm 20, just going 000. off your math. You said 20, but you thought it was 100,000. Oh, so yeah. So now it's a million. Yeah. So you think he should give you $200,000? At least 100,000. Well, you know he's not getting the full million. 
what are you getting? Five hundred? Like they probably give you? I think they give you forty percent. You can either take a lump sum or they give you like payments until you get all of it. I would take. But if you take the lump sum, I think they give you like forty percent of the money. Forty percent of the money? Yeah. Let's say sixty percent. So let's say they give you six hundred thousand yeah. dollars cash. Yeah. How much do you think you should get of the six? Why did that? <sighs> what? What if I bought you a really nice truck? A truck? Yeah, you know, a really nice truck. A really nice truck where you know, fully loaded, not the one Rock got. <laughs> fully loaded, all the stuff. All what the if dumb- I don't want a truck? <laughs> Who doesn't want a truck? <laughs> Who doesn't want a truck? What if I want like Corvette or something? Okay, okay whatever car. That's oh, yeah, we use that, that's a hundred. Well, you it's, uh, that's no. Hard, that's like I'd actually <laughs> rather give you a hundred thousand dollars than give you a hundred thousand dollar car. I think you could do Why more not? with because I think you could do more with the actual money than a car. Oh, yeah, you gotta yeah, pay, yeah. pay for the insurance and yeah, stuff. That's it's I a said burden. Yeah. I could have like buy, buy me a car. No, hundred thousand. You know what? A hundred thousand dollars out of six. When you got the ticket, that's fair. I, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's I won't fight you on that. That's fair. That's fair. But he didn't specify, so I don't know how much it's gonna be. Like like and, he, and he won't. <laughs> Grady, <laughs> or you like bought him a bunch of scratch offs? Because I'm just returning the favor, yeah. man. I, I bought you a, a thousand scratch offs. So uh, he offered to buy his. He, oh, so here we go. He offered to buy his wife a new car, but okay. she declined. Reported the Washington okay. Post. She's like, no, keep that money in the bank. Yeah. Other than paying off some bills, McLeish said that he hasn't made any real plans other than uh, any other any many new plans with his new riches. It was fitting that he scratched off the heart on Thanksgiving yeah, with a new lease on life and family around to share the excitement. A new lease on life. Yeah. You know, sometimes I embarrass myself. Let me close this out. Probably until I was conservatively 18, <laughs> which might be too old. Okay. But, you know, I feel it's a safe space. I thought it was a new leash on life. Now... A new lease on life doesn't really sound much better. Well, you know, a new lease. Got a new, uh, starting fresh. I don't know. But I don't like that. a new leash on life doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I don't know why I thought it was new leash on life. But I also thought making ends meet was about food. So hmm. I don't know why. Uh, and other th- there's other ones that I have in my brain, I'm sure. But yeah, leash on life, I thought it was leash a little, like, too late. Like, I was... I had like a phone bill. You shouldn't have a phone bill and think it's leash on life. So just a little, just a little honesty for yeah. you there. Just wanted to be open. Just, you know, I trust you guys. You, Fran, you my guy. People Ends listening. meat. You thought that meant food. Like, like, like meat for the end of the day. I get it. Yeah. So you get it. So, so you get no, 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 no. it. I get why you say it. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't get, you don't get it. That doesn't make no. sense. You know, you get meat Ends at the end of meat. the day. You, I got it why you said it was food, but I'm like, I don't understand. How does that have to do with food? I don't understand. No, because ends food? meet. You get, you know, to make meat at the end of the day, you got to to make ends meet. To make your meat for the end of the day, like you worked a long day, and now you need meat for the end of the day to sustain yourself. Sus- sustenance ends meat. Meat for the end of the day, like no. after a long day of work, because no. you're struggling. No. You're just trying to make that last day's end of the day's meat. No. <laughs> hey man, listen. I know that it's not that now. I just was saying. At a point, I thought ends it was, and, and I just thought ends meat was about, you know, meat that we need for the end of the day after gotcha. a long day. People are hungry in the house. You know, bills need to be paid, but we still need to make the ends meet. Yeah. The ends of the, the end the of the day. Of the meat. ends of the meat. The ends of the meat. Yeah, you get the end. You need to get the ends of the meat. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to, it doesn't, whatever. <laughs> Fran, recommendations corner, right? Oh, I didn't do my story. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, my God. I cut the music off and everything. Sorry, I could have sworn you went. <laughs> no. Uh, that's so disrespectful. Sorry. Go ahead, let me turn my, that back So, on. my good vibe is about a uh, death football team who goes 12-0. and 0. 
on its way to a California state championship. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So a varsity football team in California is impressing the state's athletic world as the limited 23-player 23 roster has gone undefeated 12-0 and through all 23 players and their coach are deaf. Oh, wow. Yeah. They don't play in a hard-of-hearing league. They are beating hearing teams, sometimes by huge margins, all the while using American Sign Language yeah. um, to communicate on field. This actually sounds like that could be a, like a, a big advantage. Not like cheating, but I'm just saying like people are looking at it like it's a disadvantage, but they can be making audibles on the field that because they aren't yelling them. Like they are, their signals might not be easily pick, to, to pick up by the other team. Well, I think it can go for both, though. You can go for both sides, really. Yeah. True. Now you can go, hey man, run a street. You said double team there, run a street. But they're not doing that. And they don't, but they can't but they can't hear. Oh, okay, guys, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. You know okay, I mean? yeah, true. That's you know true. That's a, good point. That's, a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. So the Cube, the, the Cubs varsity team from Riverside, California, have no pedigree of success. They've lost every single game for the previous seven seasons. Mm. Now their incredible transformation, which has landed the school in a championship game for the first time in history, has drawn an endless stream of well wishes and messages including nfl franchises like all the most successful teams in any sport the players explain they are taking their incredible season one game at a time one practice at a time speaking to the players using asl um speaking to the players using the asl translator reports now we're just destroying every game we're showing the world we can play we're not losing anymore uh, one of the wide receivers said that's on the team wow so we can do anything Deaf people can do anything. We're not this stereotypical. I'm sorry, we're not this stereotype that's out there. Said running back um, Enos Zornoza. We're breaking news that we can do it right, and we're not just out. We're not just our school here. Wait, and not just our school here, but other schools for the deaf can do it as well. The Cinderella story was not um, was not to have the most storybook endings. The storybook of endings. As the Cubs fell short in the final game against Faith Baptist, who had made the finals 18 games. I'm sorry, who had made the finals 18 times in the last 37 years. So the team they was playing was like a, a legendary a team, a ridiculous team. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they end up making it there. Some, but those storybook endings sometimes they have though it goes that way. Yeah. But the story is still beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And that being for so it's a school for the deaf. It's not like a coincidence, like I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay, got it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that I mean that's amazing. That's pretty fucking yeah. amazing. And sometimes it doesn't go the, it doesn't it doesn't go the way you think. I mean, in Gridiron Gang, they lost, mm -hmm. didn't they? I don't know. Can't remember. remember Gridiron Gang? I remember it, but I just don't remember the day. I think they lost. I don't I feel like they I, didn't win. The only win. football movie I remember is Friday Night Lights. They didn't win. They didn't win in no, Friday they didn't Night Lights. Win. And that was rough. and Booby Will got hurt. Booby Miles played football no more. Yeah, Booby 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 Miles. Miles. Yeah, yeah Booby Miles ruined his career. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Great movie though. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, country, sometimes Texas was Texas, right? Texas, man. Yeah. Texas football. Yep. Sometimes you don't win, and that's the way it goes. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. The lesson, you know. But you live, you live to fight another day, you know. Yeah. Uh, Frank, uh, um, recommendations corner before we get out of here. Do you have anything? No. I have a few. I had a I had a um kind of a. Uh, a festive week of watching things. Did you? Yes. So I watched this new documentary on Hulu called mm. Cusp. I think this Bad. is an incredibly important watch for for men especially, but just I think that it can be tr it's probably triggering for women because it's about these it's about like these uh, four girls. It's a documentary about these four girls in Texas, 
and they're like on the cusp of adulthood. They're like 15, 16 years old. Mm. And it's such a like small Texas town, run of the mill, no, nothing special about it. And that's the scariest part to me because every girl in the documentary is like, uh, a boy made me have sex with them, you know, n- no means go. And they're all just kind of like, okay with it. They're like, that's how it goes. You know, sometimes you get drunk what? and a guy, a guy doesn't, you know, he wants to have sex and you don't want to, but you just, you know, stronger than you. And this just is what it is. And it's not like, uh, these are four unique girls that they picked. That was the thing that was, that's the thing that's so like gut wrenching about the documentary is that like these girls could be any four 15 year old girls. Like yeah. there's nothing it's so run of the mill. It's not like just these girls have had this experience and they collected them. So that's the part about it. That's like, damn man, like this is, this is heartbreaking, man. Like, you know, um, it just was really, it was a really, uh, sad documentary, but also funny. Cause the girls are really funny. Like they're like funny girls and being yeah. silly. And they like, they, they didn't show it obviously, but they like pierced their, they pierced one of the girl's nipples in her bedroom with like just the girls in the room, like just doing dumb teenage shit. But then also having to deal with like a guy being like, send me your ass p- pictures and I'll give you $10 or something like that. Like it just was dealing with navigating uh, toxic masculinity and, and the patriarchy and stuff. It was a really interesting documentary. $10. So yeah, it was crazy. And then she was like, but then it's like she, because she is at such a young age has learned to like maneuver in how society is. She goes, I told him like, I'll watch you jerk off for $50. I was like, I might as well make $50. Like, and they're like kids. But that's their brain being like, he's going to ask me to do something and I'm probably going to have to do it or it's going to be like a whole thing. So I told him, I'll, you might as well give me more money and I'll do something else. So then I make some money at least. It just, it was just crazy to see how early on their brain had like adjusted to men are dangerous and we just have to exist around that and still party and get drunk. But you just, hey man, somebody might, you might get uh, raped at a party. That's just, so, you know, you got to watch out for this person. And then the dudes being like, well, you know, they were both drunk technically. So, you know, everybody knows if, if you're both drunk, it's not rape. A dude in the documentary said that. And, and, and this girl's trying to explain to them, like, you know, that party last week, like uh, this girl got raped by this dude that you guys hang out with. And he was like, yeah, but like, you know, he was drunk. She was drunk. So like, he excused it. And then they just moved on. Like it, you could see the defeatedness of her being like trying to explain how fucked up this dude is. And they were like, yeah, but what's fucked up though? Like, you know, like, is it bad if you're both drunk? I don't think so. Cause, and then I feel like in his mind, he's justifying it. Cause like, I've been that. Yeah. He was like, no, I mean, I've been drunk and done that too. So like, no, it was just crazy to see how early on that starts. So it was just interesting. So cusp, I recommend for sure. And, um, I, I, I talked about dope sick last week. I finished it. It's an absolutely despicable show. It's great, but like it's a real show. This really happened. Like this farming, this pharmacy industry, uh, uh, Purdue, like ruined this country by flooding the streets with opioids, and made billions of dollars, and corrupted the the government by paying off lobbyists and paying off government officials to pass things and pass FDA licenses and stuff. It's just absolutely crazy. So I highly recommend Dope Sick. It's on Hulu as well. And those are two of my recommendations. So, you got nothing. Busy no. week. Nah, man. Well, what, what was your what is your Yelp review of Chuck E. Cheese? Uh huh. As far as I mean, you you did it. You done it. You paid. Yeah. You, you played. Yeah. You ate the pizza. So all encompassing. Great service. I like the lady that helped us out. Mm-hmm. Gave a nice tip. So it was cool. Five five stars, I guess. Out of five. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, time. that's big. That's big. That's big praise from the head honcho friend. I had a good time. Yeah, I, I did too, man. So uh, <laughs> everybody, go get to a, get yourself to a Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, near you today. Fuck Jeepers.
They don't even exist anymore? Jeepers? Yeah. No, man, Chuck E. Cheese bodied them because they got Damn. five stars on Yelp. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. We'll see you guys next week. Deuces. <laughs>